Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. He gives me strength, and that's what I need. We all need that from day to day, and so I appreciate that very much. In the 1992 Olympics, Janet Evans won the silver medal in the 400-meter freestyle swim. She was winning right up to the finish, but her hand touched the wall four-tenths of a second too late for first place. She lost the lead because she looked back at her closest competitor, which slowed her enough to be passed. Looking back cost Evans the gold medal. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Looking back means we make a commitment but later have second thoughts about it which slows us down. It might even cause us to abandon what we started. When things got rough in the wilderness, the children of Israel wanted to return to slavery in Egypt. They had left part of their heart there in Egypt, and that was calling them back. Lot's wife left part of her heart in Sodom and looked back when God was destroying the city. I want to ask you a question this morning, and I want you to think about it. Which way are you looking? Are you looking forward by faith or looking back in unbelief? If you've put your hand to the plow to do something God has given you to do, are you continuing on with what God has given? Or have you hesitated? Have you looked back? As we feel powerless sometimes to do much with our lives and even we enter into a realm of confusion if we're not careful, uh, we have to come to a place to where we say, Lord, I need clarity. I need to know what I can do. What have you entrusted to me? What do you want me to do with what I have? It's so important because God's word has much to say about our opportunity, the power of our hands, what God has entrusted to us to take forward and trust him with by faith, to lay hold of and to do something for the glory of God and for a positive impact upon others. Where do you stand today with what God has given you? You are not alone, and you are not powerless. Let's take our Bibles and stand this morning as we turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, find your place there. God wants us to put our hand to the plow, and as we think about this, look at these instructions that God gives us clearly in his word. Let's read it aloud together. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. There it is. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Strive not with a man without cause, if he hath done thee no harm. 
Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For the froward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you to think about what God is saying to us concerning this matter of putting our hand to the plow and doing something with what he's giving us to do. He says here in verse 27, withhold not good, that which is proper, appropriate, expected, owed, good faith, that which is honorable and honest. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when you owe it to someone. When it's in the power of your hand to do it, the word power has the thought of the strength, the wherewithal, the ability, the capacity to do something. Do what you have committed to do. Do what you have purpose to do. Give that which you owe another. He says, now consider this. I want you to make a note of this, number one. He's really telling us how to keep our hand to the plow. Number one, by doing what is right. What is right? Here's what he's telling us. This is the right way to operate, the right way to relate and interact with others in your life. He's talking about human relationships. If we're not right with each other, we're not right with the Lord. And God wants us to see that correlation. So many times in the scriptures, uh, he talks about people who are not right with each other, but ultimately says, they're not right with me. That's why they're not right with you, as he would speak to his servant. And so God is saying, this is the way I want you to interact and relate with one another. He says in verse 28, Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. Uh, When you can take care of something, a commitment you've made, follow through on that. Don't unnecessarily hesitate or delay. Devise not, verse 29, means to scheme, to plot, to plan to subvert, to undermine or overthrow. Don't be thinking evil against your neighbor. How can I get at them or get back at them or hinder them or hurt them or hold them up in some way? Because the Bible says here in verse 29, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Here's someone that has a heart for you, loves you, doing right by you, dealing with you in good faith. Why would you think evil towards such a one? Why would you treat them in such a manner? That's what God is saying. The way we treat others oftentimes is not a reflection of who they are. It's a reflection of who we are. As I've mentioned before, I've been praying for different ones down through the years, and I remember one time in particular I was praying for a man, and and he had done wrong. And I was asking God to deal with him. And then God spoke to my heart. And I said, Lord, okay, I can trust him to you, but would you help me right now in this moment to see what is in my heart that makes me feel the way I do toward this man? God opened my eyes and God spoke to me. And I knelt before the Lord and ask God to forgive me. My anger, my angst, my offense, my pride. God showed me 
the reason I was struggling so was because there was a measure of pride in my heart that I needed to recognize because I had just simply taken it to a human level and left God out. I'll tell you, human relationships are going to wear us out if we're not careful. If we leave God out and we don't ask God to help us to see what's going on, we, we want to know what's going on in someone else's heart. But God wants us to know what's going on in our own heart. He said, now, don't hesitate. Uh, don't look back. Uh, don't get off track. I, I've given you a job to do with your life. Put your hand to the plow and go forward. How can you plow a steady road? By just simply doing what is right before God and by others. For he says here in verse number 30, Strive not with a man without cause if he had done thee no harm. The word strife here, to contend with, to be ill toward, to be angry with, Perpetually, it's like a settled indignation against someone. Think about it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, if it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live at peace with all men. Are you a peacemaker or a peacetaker? Do you bring peace to your relationships or do you bring trouble, trial? Turbulence, confusion. God says don't strive with people. For where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. We give our fallen nature as well as our adversary of the devil opportunity to frustrate us, to stir the pot, to stir that indignation, to look at people so much so to where we can't see any good in them, all we can see is their fault. And it becomes so magnified in our eyes. It becomes so glaring. Let's all be reminded this morning that there is worth in each of us today. And if you have written someone off in your life, you need to come back to God and say, Lord, help me to know what is right and do what is right before you and before this individual because I have obsessed with some fault in their life that I take exception with, that I've missed the good and the blessing that you put them in my life to bring. That's a powerful truth. May God help us. He says here in verse 31, Envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. Those who are turned aside, making unjust gain at other people's expenses, don't, don't envy them. They have their day coming. You trust God and do what's right. And don't be impressed by those who are gaining ground by doing wrong. Because one day that ground will be lost. Oh, it's so powerful. Think about this. Turn over to chapter 10, Proverbs chapter 10. This is such a powerful truth here. Put your hand to the plow by doing what is right. Notice some of these exhortations here. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. How do you apply the strength, the opportunity that God gives you? Do you squander it or do you develop it? 
Do you move it forward or do you hinder it, hold it back? Do you waste your opportunity and miss what God has put into your hands? Think about chapter 12, verse 14. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth and the recompense or the the payment, the reward of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. In other words, if you apply yourself, you work hard, then you're going to have a benefit, a blessing, a return coming back to you. So he's saying here, apply yourself. Do something with what you have. Make the most of this opportunity that God has entrusted to you. You can do something with what God has given you today. You say, well, if God would give me this, or if I had the other, or listen, friend, we can talk all day long. The Bible says the heart of the fool is in the ends of the earth. Let me tell you what I would do if I had this. Now, we've all said this, right? Boy, if I had the money. I may have said that before, right? I'm still saying that, right? Here we are. If I had the money, I know what I'd do. Oh, if I had the money, I'd do this. If I had the money, I'd take care of that. And you know what? I think sometimes the Lord sits on his throne and laughs at us, even chuckles when he looks at us and says, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. If you had all that money, I mean, some of these things you're thinking about that you would do, that you say you would take care of all the people you would help, you wouldn't. I mean, everything would change in an instant, and all of a sudden you'd be thinking about all the things that you can do and all the, the joys and fun you can have. And, and, and so maybe God is so good to us that he has withholding some of that from us, and we don't have that temptation to basically take something and misuse it, though we're convinced we would use it right. I think about that. What are you doing Not with what you might have or you might get or what you could do with something different, but what are you doing with what you have right here, right now? If you're faithful in that which is least, you will be faithful in that which is much, the Bible says, because character is consistent. If you're not faithful with what you have, you won't be faithful with whatever you get beyond that because that's a character. That is an attitude of the heart And God is trying to say to us sometimes, look within. Don't make it all surface or superficial. Don't make it all something out here. If this would line up, if this were better, if this was different, then I would be better. Oh, no, no, no. If we would be better, if we would be committed to do what is right, then you'd be amazed how God would use us to put those things in place to fix it, to figure it out, to make it better, not just for us, but for the glory of God and the good of others. Can you imagine that? That's what God is saying to us today. Oh, do what you can with what you have. Do right by God and right by others. Don't be jealous. Don't be envious. Don't be scheming, plotting, planning, criticizing, condemning. The more I go, here's what I learn. Those who've ever been in a pioneer work for God or in any other realm of life, even business or whatever else it may be, they appreciate what it takes to take any step forward because they've been there. It's always been a challenge and never been easy. And so when they look at someone who is pioneering the work, they don't see where they're not yet. Their instinct is to think for a moment, wow, how far they must have come to be where they are right now. Wow, I can respect that. 
I can commend that. I, I can be a part of that or encourage that in some ways. But, but those who haven't sometimes, it, it's kind of like young people today. They literally think hamburger comes from McDonald's. They cannot appreciate what it takes to order that double cheeseburger meal, right? They just can't appreciate it. Some of them have been, people have tried to teach them what it takes to uh, get a hamburger to the table, and they just can't handle it. It's like, no way. No way. That cannot be what it takes because they've never been a part of it. They've never seen it. They, they can't appreciate it or even comprehend it oftentimes. That's the way it is in every other realm of life. God has given people a cause, a work. We talked about this Wednesday night, Lamentations chapter 3, to subvert a man in his cause, his cause, the Lord approveth not, to take it for granted, to diminish it, to just somehow disregard it. God says, I, I'm not in favor of that. I won't bless that in your life. Don't always think in life that the way you build yourself or the work that God is giving you, the way you build it up is by tearing everybody else down. No, no, no. When you tear everyone else down, really what you're doing ultimately is tearing yourself down. You're hurting yourself more than you are those other people. The way you build your life is by building others. The way you lift your life is by lifting others. This is what God is saying here. Just do right by God. Do right by each other. Understand the wisdom of what God has given us here in his word. Notice chapter 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. The diligent hand, the one that says, I've got something, I'm going to do something with it, I'm going to develop it forward. I'm not going to make an excuse, I'm not going to talk it down, talk myself out of it. I'm not going to say, hey, there's a lion in the streets, or the challenge is too great, or, or maybe it's too cold outside. See, those are the words of the slothful, the one who ultimately blames the circumstances of life for a lack of accomplishment is someone that needs to take an honest look within. Remember the one who had... The one talent, and he took it and buried it. And then his master came and said, hey, what did you do with that talent? These other guys, they took what they had and they doubled it. They multiplied it. I mean, they applied themselves. They put it to work and they have a good return. Well, I knew that you were such an exacting person. I knew you were not reasoned reasonable, someone I could reason, I, I knew I just couldn't even explain to you and that you'd be so upset at me if I tried to do something with that talent and then I lost it. And I'll tell you what, so rather than trying to frustrate you or, you know, hinder you in any way, I took that talent and I buried it. And Jesus cut straight to the heart. What did he say? Thou wicked and slothful servant. He said, it's not me that caused you not to do anything with the opportunity I gave you. It's you. It's your heart of pride, self-will, unbelief. It is your own selfishness. It is your own fear. I mentioned 
the other week that some people play not to lose while other people play to win. If we're not careful, see, that was the 12 uh, spies. Two, Joshua and Caleb were playing to win. And the others, and by the way, that's the passage I was reading this week. I never studied the names of those 10 spies until this week. Wow. What did the Lord open up to? Some people, they fret, they worry. They're dominated by fear. They don't put their hand to the plow and believe God and trust God. God's with me. God's for me. God's going to make a way. God's going to bless my effort. If I walk in the light he gives me, he's going to give me more light. I am looking forward to what God has in store. They're like, oh, watch out, watch out, oh, watch out, watch out. You don't want to make a mess. You don't want to have a, have a crooked road. So I didn't even try to plow. You don't want to lose that talent. I mean, they live, they're dominated, they're fearful people. People who are governed by a spirit of hesitation and reservation and oh, they're dominated by fear. I don't want to live that life because the Bible says fear has torment. It'll wear you out. It'll eat you alive within. Worried, afraid, we can't do it. We're not enough. We're not sufficient. I mean, come on, what are we going to do? Oh, you let us out here to die in the wilderness, Moses. What about our, our, our wives and our children? Would to God we'd stayed there in Egypt and, and, and would to God we had never stepped out on this foolish journey after all? Why, what have you done to us? And then they said, would God we had died in this wilderness? And the Lord said, okay, I heard it. That's what you want. Everyone 20 years old and upward, you're going to aimlessly wander for the next 40 years until you all leave this world one by one. Now this speaks to me because God is saying, I've given you something to do something with. And so many times we're just sitting on that talent. We're doing nothing with what God has given us. The time, the, the ability, the opportunity, the training, the life experience. I'll tell you what, there's some things you could never learn in college. Isn't that right? Some of us are a little bit older. We've lived a little while. Isn't that right? But I've learned a whole lot about what's right and what's wrong. What works, what doesn't work. What's important, what's not important. See, the thing I like about getting a little bit older here, and I still like saying a little bit older, all right? So I hope you got that. A little bit older here. thing I like about it is it narrows my focus. It is showing me what's really important and what is not. I welcome that. And then my wife and I, we just keep talking about this thing. We're not long for this world. We're not morbid. You know, we're not just thinking of that every day like, oh, no, it's over. No, we're just realistic. It's like we don't have time to deal with certain things we used to consume our time and energy and, and our thoughts with. It used to bother us or worry us. I've given that to God. There's a work that God has given us to do. I want to leave this world with an abundant entrance, don't you? I want to finish strong the work that God has given me. I want to put something in motion that others who come after me can be blessed by. So God is saying, do this. Put your hand to the plow. That's the path of God's blessing. Chapter 14, verse 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Look at that. A wise man or woman is trying to build, trying to edify, trying to strengthen. And there are those who are foolish. The word foolish here has a thought of not those who are intellectually challenged. is those who look at life and leave God out. 
the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So they just look at life and they leave God out. So I can say, I can do, I can act, I can react, I can treat people any way I want to. God says, oh no. Because there are some things you're going to do that are actually going to build people up, doing right by them. And then there are other things you're going to do that are actually going to tear them down. It's a powerful truth. I think we're coming back to chapter 18, but look over in Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30 talks about this virtuous woman, the woman who has a true heart for God, a true heart for her family and for others. It's amazing what God says in Proverbs 31 and verse 20. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. Think about it. There's practical things you can do. Yes, we understand that. But I wonder what you do with your hands when you uh, make certain contacts or calls or, or when you engage at certain levels in certain activities. Or is that something that you're using to build people up or to tear them down? Are you serving others? You say, well, I want to be served. I understand that. But I'll tell you the true joy in life is not how many people serve you. It's how many people you get to serve. Verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. She took what God gave her, valued it, and did something with it for the glory of God and the good of others. She served. So she took the opportunity that was placed into her hands and she brought blessing to others through that capacity, that opportunity. I think it's amazing. Chapter 18, verse 21, get this correlation. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It's interesting here, as you study this word power, the meaning, the definition of this word has this thought, as in a hand, as in the open one versus the closed one. So you've got an open hand and a closed hand. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, it's important how you use your tongue. Like as it's important how you use your hand. Some people are closed-handed toward other people. Selfish, hoarding, holding it in. Other people are open-handed. An open hand comes from an open heart. Do you see? So they're open-hearted, that means they're open-handed. My eye affects my heart. And so the heart is a reflection of how they view others and how they interact with them and interrelate with them. And so God is saying here, it's important that you build up instead of tear down. It's not just with your hands, but you've got to see how your words, the words of your mouth and the works of your hand correspond one to the other. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can actually speak life into people. How many of us ever been down and someone came along and spoke a fitting word of encouragement in just the right moment? You've been there, right? That was like medicine to your soul, to your spirit. All of us have lived this in life within human relationships. There are those moments and then there are moments when 
someone may say to us or we may say to someone something that cuts to the heart. And God says, the sooner you see that in yourself and correct it, you confess it and repent of it, the better you and everybody else whose life you touch will be. Because you have power. You have power to build up. You have power to tear down. You have power to encourage others, to reassure them. You have that capacity, that ability to uh, work with them, to help them succeed. When they succeed because you're helping them, then you succeed, right? That's the true heart of a servant of God. So God says, put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Recognize this power that you have. Look at chapter 15. I love this verse, verse 2. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright. There it is. It's the right use of knowledge. What is wisdom? We're living in an educated day and society. And I love education. As I mentioned, school was like my family, was like my refuge. I loved it. Few of my classmates knew what I left every morning to drive that bus and uh, to pick up two loads of children, students, one elementary load and then one high school load. And then when I got to school and I hit the hallways, I was at home. That's what school was for me. I loved school. It was my refuge. It was my family. And oh, how I value education. But there's a lot of knowledge out there today. But there's not a lot of people sometimes who know how to use that knowledge Rightly. They misinterpret, misrepresent, misapply it. They need wisdom. They need understanding. They need to know how to apply that knowledge, how to use it rightly. That's where we get the wisdom from God through his word and how to connect the dots. Well, this is true and this is right and this is how this fits or how this applies to that. There is an order about all of life that God gives us through the understanding of his word. Oh, how powerful, how needed in this hour. There's a lot of smart people out there. There's a lot of educated people out there. But sometimes they're not very practical. They are educated beyond common sense. And that's not a true education, isn't that right? The right kind of education is when you use knowledge rightly. I'm not going to labor these other two, but I want to give them to you and we're going to close. You've got something to do something with. Whatever God's given you, say, God, give me wisdom how to apply this, how to use it to build up, how to strengthen, how to encourage, how to reassure people, how to remind them that my heart is for them, my heart is with them. They can trust in me. They can rest secure in my friendship. What do you have? What is in your hand to do with? Number two, I want you just to write it down. I'll go there and labor this later on. Put your hand to the plow, number one, by doing what is right. Number two, by doing what you can with what you have. Exodus chapter 4, God came to Moses and said, I want you to go speak to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he says, well, he's not going to believe me. They're just going to dismiss me outright. He says, uh, well, what do you have in your hand there? He said, well, I've got a rod. 
He said, well, cast that rod down and it became a serpent. He said, take it up by the tail and it became his rod again. He said, they'll believe you. He said, well, what if they don't believe that? He said, all right, stick your hand to your coat here, your shirt, stick it in, bring it out, it'll be leprous. Stick it back in, bring it out, it'll be whole. They'll believe you then. Well, what if they don't? Well, then we're going to start working on the water, turning it into blood. God is saying this, I'm going to keep working until I get their attention. I wonder what God is having to do in your life and mine to say, hey, do you believe me yet? Are you convinced yet? Do you know that I am God and you're not? And that ultimately you're going to move on my command and not your own? You're going to meet me one day, the very God who made you and gave you the life you have? God was saying that, but he asked Moses, he said, what is in your hand? Use what you have. Do what you can with what you have. And then number three, by doing what you can while you can. Ecclesiastes 9.10 talks about whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, with your whole heart, with whatever capacity God has given you. Because there's no device, there's no planning, there's no work, there's nothing to look forward to or to accomplish, no goals to set, nothing of meaning to impact the lives of others. There's none of that in the grave whether thou goest. You're going to leave this world one day. You better do what you can with what you have while you can. The end is coming. Now, that's not something that's a negative. That's something that quickens us and causes us to narrow our focus and to put our hand on that plow or back or quit looking back and look forward and say, you know what? God help them a plow, a straight road. How did they do it in the olden days? They always had a point of reference. And they'd drop the plow here, and they'd keep their eyes on that fixed point of reference. And that's how they plowed a straight road. Now, I don't know about you, but if your eyes are off the Lord, now's a good day to get them back on the Lord. Say, Lord, help me to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I thought it was interesting it said in Mark chapter 2 and verse 6, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which he is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? What are the works of God that he's going to do through your life, through the application of your effort, your energy, your opportunity? I want to press on for God, don't you? I want to finish well. And the more I go, the more I think about not just my children, but my grandchildren. See, there's more at stake here than us. There are those coming after us. There are those that we directly influence. We all have been through enough in life that apart from the grace of God, we could be very cynical people. We could be very hard people. And some people, as they get older, that's the path they take. I want to encourage you today, friend, and let you know that that's a choice you make. And if you have chosen to embrace a thought or a feeling that I'm limited, I can't really do anything, I'm even powerless. This is just the way it is. As much as I don't like it, there's not a thing I can do about it. That's not true. 
You can choose to believe God. And there's a God in heaven who will help you, who will bless you, who will direct your steps and help you discover anew why you're still here. Miss Godfrey is, how old is Miss Godfrey? Like 88, 90 years old? Anybody? 89. See, I got it right there. I was right on either side of it. 89. She made it through the surgery. Her daughter texted me yesterday and said, Mama said, God's not finished with me. I said, praise God for that 89 years old. Most people at that age with a broken hip and all that rehab that she's facing would, would have come through there and said, well, I'm about finished anyway. This probably be it. I don't even know if I'll even recover this. But she just looked at her and said, I made it through the surgery. God's not finished with me yet. As an 89-year-old lady who does have her health issues, whereby she can not normally even come to church, if she can feel that way, how much more can you and I feel that way? Whatever time God has left for us, I want to do something with it, don't you? I'm not you, you're not me, we're not anybody else, but you are who God made you. Where you are with your life experience, with your background, with your ability, with your opportunity, don't try to be someone else. Learn to live and enjoy and make the most of the life that God gave you. Do something with your life, with your opportunity, and do it gladly. Never feeling like, oh, I'm not them. And I'm, you know, I love basketball. But when I watch basketball, I don't sit there and say, that could have been me. That could have been me. That should have been me. You know, I used to say that when I was young. But the older I got, the more realistic I became. No, that couldn't have been me. That is not who I am. God did not make me with the skill set to play at that level. Now, when you're younger, see, you're convinced that you do have that skill set, right? And you, you're just amazed that no one else can see it like you can. But it's normally the opposite. <laughs> you're seeing something that no one else sees because it's not there, you know? That's why they don't see it, but you've kind of made it in your mind that it's there. But it's just, you see... But I think about it. I believe God could set all of us free today. You could be free. Whoever you are, wherever you are in life, the prime time of life is any time of life when you're happily doing God's will for your life. You say, well, I've lived through this. And I lived through... But you live. That's the key. Well, you just don't know, uh, Pastor, that, that killed me. I've been in those moments. It killed me. I, I mean, it cut me to the core. It even cut my heart out. But you know what? What killed me didn't kill me. Ultimately, I'm still alive. And because I'm still alive by grace and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm more alive now than I've ever been. I want to live my life for God. I want to apply myself. I want to do what God has given me to do something with, and I want to make the most of it, and I want to enjoy this journey. Don't you? All of God's people said. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.